Good, good, good. Um, Joe, do you want to bring us back from where we sure. um, And do you want to show this? Uh, no. Okay. So anyway, um, we're picking up from last week. Um, those of you that were with us, um, we talked about the um, we talked about the emotional cup, and just talked about in in this time um, how we can have different emotions uh, that are rising up in us. Uh, not only from what's going on with the COVID nineteen shut in, but just um, doing relationship and life in general. And so. Just a quick review, what we talked about is we all have an emotional cup and that emotional cup can only hold so much emotion. And the other thing that um, uh, I believe Ron and Jean brought out last week is that um, negative emotions have weight to them. So if you think of um, a cup and you had some material that you poured in the cup that was more weighty than, than other things, think about positive emotions and those things were poured into the cup, that they would have a harder time being brought out of the cup than maybe some of the more positive, lighter things. And so um, the whole reason we bring this up, because we have an emotional cup, because there's only so much emotion we can hold on to, now is a really good time to be able to, while we are in the shut-in mode, really take inventory about what's going on in us. We said last week that we're not trying to put anything on anybody that they don't have. Um, we're not trying to say that, um, you know, you should be sad or whatever it is. What we're saying is that what we really should do is take inventory of what's going on with us, inventory um, of our lives. Because what we talked about was we've all suffered loss. Regardless of where we are, some people, you know, they're working from home or they're retired. And so maybe their financial situation hasn't changed or those different things hasn't changed. But the issue is we're still suffered loss. Um, we still can't meet with our brothers and sisters. We still can't go to our favorite coffee houses. We can't go to church. We can't uh, meet one on one with our small groups. So we have all suffered loss. So what we're just really doing is asking in this time to really go before the Lord and really take inventory about what's going on and be honest with the Lord and be open with the Lord about what you're um, feeling. The other thing we talked about is it's easy for us to say, oh, well, you know, we're Christians and I'm fine. Praise the Lord and all that. That's, and that's, if that's where you are, that's great. But again, let's be real. Let's be real with ourselves. Let's be real with the Lord. Let's be real with each other because we want to live in wholeness and, and, and realness. And the only way we really do that is being in touch with what's really going on inside us. So that's a quick review from last week. And um, the Lord has given Leona um, something this week, which um, is really powerful. And so I'm going to allow her to, I'm going to allow her, I'm going to ask her, to come and share, not allow her. That was a bad choice of work. So I do not, and those of you that know my wife know that I do not allow her to do anything. So she's small, but she hurts me. She has a way of hurting anyway. But you're just making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing everyone here pretty much knows us and kind of knows how we roll. Um, 
you know, I'm going to ask you guys to forgive me. I'm going to try to not read, but I will read, you know, most of my notes. And, and this time, um, what we're going to talk about is taking the cup, you know, our emotional cup to Jesus. Um, and we're going to use a biblical example of, of what that kind of looks like and, and um, talk about a little bit about um, in depth with a couple of biblical persons uh, what Joe has just enumerated. So Joe's told you what we're going to tell you. Now I'm going to tell you it. And then we'll go over what we've just told you at the end. So um, we're going to look at Moses. And now oftentimes um, Moses is preached about as being someone who had anger issues. How many of you have heard that? Just not. If you have heard that, he had anger issues. Okay. I'm going to... Um, differ a little bit uh, from that perspective. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we see Moses killing an Egyptian who had actually been assaulting a Jewish person. And in our day today, we would probably call that voluntary manslaughter. Now, Ron is watching and listening, and Ron can change up anything I've said at any point, because he knows. Um, I'm just using my, you know, CSI viewing skills, <laughs> which I know Ron does not like at all, the reference to CSI, the TV show. So moving right along, just to put a little levity in this situation, and of course, Alexis, neither, right? But um, Moses is not killing this guy in self-defense. He's actually trying to defend someone else. And his passion and his physicality, somehow anyway, the Egyptian gets killed. Now, what he doesn't do is he doesn't go and report himself either to Pharaoh or to anyone else. He looks over his shoulder, the scripture says, and then he buries the guy and goes away and hopes no one has seen it. Only that was not the case. Um, the Bible reads it, this, it, it says it this way. In the course of time, Moses grew up. Then he went to see his own people and watch them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian. He looked all around, and when he didn't see anyone, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid the body in the sand. In Exodus 32, verses 9 to 14, this is after the initial unveiling of the Ten Commandments, which happens in Exodus 20. The Bible describes that while Moses is away spending time with the Lord, that Israel plays the harlot. In other words, they have put together a golden calf and have begun to worship in front of that thing. God is so angry with them because he has cut covenant with these people. That he is really, he says to Moses, he's ready to do away with them. Um, Sometimes I want to inject in there because we've talked about the idea of, of um, anger. Um, does anybody know what the root of anger is? It's really hurt, right? And so um, just wanted to kind of interject that because when we hear that God is angry, you know, really he's hurt. He's hurt because of how much he's loved the, the Israelites and he's done for the Israelites and they're his people and he's doing all these things for them. And so when he says that he's angry, just want you to hear behind that that what God's really saying is, you know what, I'm hurt. 
I'm hurt. So um, right here, as Joe's pointed out, we see what's in God's cup, God's emotional cup. And at least he's, he's identifying for Moses, who's close to him, what's in his cup. What Moses does is he steps in and he intercedes, meaning he, he plays the go-between. He's going between God and the people, standing before God on behalf of the people. And he actually begins to show us one thing that we could do whenever we are engaged with a, a, a beloved person or even a coworker and sometimes even a boss who has some heavy duty, painful feelings in a cup that they are almost about to act on. Moses literally in his conversation with God encourages God to be who he is. He literally calls out God's identity. God, you're the one that saved them and delivered them out of Egypt. God, you brought them out into the wilderness to worship you. Other people would say to you that you brought them out from Egypt only to kill them. That's not who you are. That is not your identity. So just keep that um, for a moment. Now recognize that this doesn't mean that God doesn't have control of his own emotions. That's not what, get, don't get it twisted. That is not what we are saying. That's not what the word says at all. God knows what his own emotion is and God knows how to manage his emotion. But God is in relationship with Moses. Just as he invites us in particular, we recognize today to be in relationship with him. And he desires that we would also be close enough with him to be his friend, right? And what God is showing here is he's showing, quote unquote, his heart. God is spirit, right? He's not a man. He doesn't have something that's shaped like, like this. Um, you know, God is God. But he's showing us something of what he carries in who he is, in his person. And he is inviting Moses by sharing what's on his heart, if you will. Now, Moses' response can be that of giving loving attention to a fellow friend, or he could be one who stands in position to egg God on to exercise behavior that's in keeping with that heavy emotion, particularly because the Bible tells us that God is ready to offer Moses the opportunity to be the one who receives all the blessing of Israel. It would have been so easy for Moses, right? But Moses doesn't do that. Our strong emotions also lead to doors of opportunity or doors of temptation. The question for us is, will we slow down enough or receive God's wisdom amid wrestling with the power of those emotions after we've gone limbic, after our heavy emotions are there in our face, staring us as if they were, quote unquote, the Red Bull. In Exodus 32, 19, Moses descends with the two tablets in hand. And when he sees the people dancing, which I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, the dancing was really sensual 
It was kind of like in keeping with fertility rituals, which is not how God has asked for us to worship him. And, and he sees this. And Moses is at this point, again, accused of having anger issues because he breaks the two tablets. I just want to offer the suggestions that one, he was expressing some of God's own emotions from verse nine and 10. God was the one who was like super, like not happy with them. And the Lord had said in verse nine and 10, I've seen these people and they are impossible to deal with. Now leave me alone. I'm so angry with them. I'm going to destroy them. And then I'll make you into a great nation, as I mentioned before. Moses dropping those tablets symbolized the fact that the people had themselves broken covenant with God. They broke the covenant that they had agreed to with God. So what's the point in holding up the tablets if they've broken, if they've already broken it and what it means? This same so-called angry man, if he really did have anger issues in Exodus 32, 30 and 31, is the one who goes to God on behalf of the people, confesses their sin and asks the Lord, to put their sin upon himself and to forgive their sin. And in that place, Moses acts as Christ in the midst of the congregation of the people and says, no, I will bear their sin. Don't lay it to them, lay it to me. Now, again, I'm not saying Moses didn't have issues. I'm not saying Moses was perfect. I'm not saying Moses was the first coming of Christ, no. Moses had anger issues like most people have anger issues. You push us enough, we'll get angry. But that, that was like his prevailing demeanor. I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced anyway. You can be convinced. You might have other scriptures. There might be other things that you see when you read the word, when you're studying the word. But let's just go from this point forward. In Numbers 20, verses 1 to 13, the people contend with Moses. And in verses 2 to 5, we find that they are grumbling again because there is no water. Why do I say again? These are the same people who were told to anoint their doorposts in the Passover and told that the death angel would spare them, them as well as their firstborn while the death angel took the firstborn of the Egyptians. They saw God's miracle working power. These are the same people who walked through the Red Sea as if on dry land. They saw God's miracle working power. They had also already experienced a lack of water before in Exodus 17 verses one to four. Now here's another opportunity where they had to exercise faith in a powerful God that they had seen demonstrate his love for them, his affection for them, his delivering power, but instead they grumble. Sometimes we have stuff in our cup that 
we don't recognize how it even got there because it's there and we're just keeping on keeping on with life we're just going on getting up every day getting dressed brushing our teeth getting to work getting home cooking um dealing with children dealing with relatives dealing with friends ministering and going from one thing to the other and there are there are different things that we encounter uh, during the course of our lives that sometimes we don't even recognize that have hurt us or that are piling up in our cup not because we're not all there but because of the pace of life that we normally live and here we are now in this experience of COVID-19 and um, some of us have more time on our hands than we've ever had before and some of us don't some of us are just as busy some of us are even busier mm -hmm. because we're trying to juggle working you know, outside of the home with uh, a, a, a partner or mate or um, loved ones that have to be homeschooled, you know, children have to be homeschooled or a mate that's also working from home or all kinds of different things that are going on. Friends that we're trying to minister to, loved ones that we know that have health issues. There's so many. And then, of course, we also want to try to serve. There's a lot going on still. Mm -hmm. But this is a time for us to really take to examine what's in our cup um one of the things that that um i've realized uh in this uh shut-in time is really because of what leona said you know we we were just so so busy running all the time and one of the things that this has really allowed me to do is really step back and really take inventory of my own emotions and really take inventory of uh my relationship not only with christ but my relationship with leona uh because life moves so fast that many times we don't have time to stop breathe step back and really do those things and one of the things that i've realized is how important it is to really do that self-work of where we are because i know that many times i have reacted um with leona out of things where i have not really had time to process life was too busy to process anything so many times my responses uh not really being able to take the time and listen to her to talk to her to really uh to really do the, the intimate work of really knowing somebody else and knowing Christ, right? And having him know me um, was something that what I realized is, is, is missing. So this time also, I've begun to see it really as a great opportunity really to take our relationship to the next level and take my relationship with Christ to the next level. Thank you, Joe. I, I want to ask you guys, going and looking back at the word, looking back at Numbers 21 through 13 and reflecting on what we said happened in Exodus 20 and what happened in Exodus 32. I want to ask you guys, what emotions might Aaron and Moses be feeling at the time, given how often they had had to deal with these grumbling and complaining people. What do you think was in their cup when they heard these people now saying, we don't have any water. And I'm not saying they said it that way, but what would you say 
they might have. We, we don't know for sure. We'd only be guessing. And I would pray that the Lord would forgive us and uh, <laughs> pass our message on to them. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, if I, was, you? if I was them, I would say, yeah, God, you know, you're right. Get rid of them all. Because I'm tired of hearing that too. So raise your hand and then unmute <laughs> yourself one at a time. Go ahead, Sue. Over. And then Ron Nichols. I would be completely done. Osmosis. Louder. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. If I was Moses or Aaron, I'd be so frustrated. I'd be done. I'd be like, you know, you've seen all these miracles and you're still grumbling. Forget it. I'm with Joe. Off with your heads. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Ron Nichols, Ron Jean. Take them out. I'll bury them in the sand myself. <laughs> okay. Thank you. For... Oh, no, what else? Okay. I'm kind of different because it takes a lot more than two times for me to say I'm done with them. It's like my first thing would be, all right, how in the round world can I get through to you where we're at? You know, so my heart would be, my heart would be saddened that they just don't get it. Okay. Yeah. So there would be sadness um, and, and, and the frustration side of anger in people's cups. Anything else? Anyone else see anything? Yes, Paul and Kathy. Thank you, Ron and Jean. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, I can't help but put myself in the position of the grumblers. Um, mm. um, a very similar message. Um, I don't know if you guys were at the Bay when Pastor Fred Franks was uh, still there. Um, yeah, we were. On a Saturday, Kathy was working. I was painting stuff outside the house, and I was not having a good time with it. And um, we, we liked our Saturday night church when Kathy was home and stuff. And... Um, and I, I just kind of, out of frustration and stuff, I just finally just kind of threw the paint stuff in the sink in the garage, and I just, I just drove out of here, and I went to church. And it was very similar message. He mentioned that, you know, the remnant on the other side of the, um, of the Red Sea, grumbling about it, that kind of stuff. And, man, did God really clobber me in that moment. Um, uh, this was a year or two after my first little bout of meningitis, mm. I saw God move in powerful ways that I had never personally witnessed before. Mm. Um, and there I was grumbling because the paint wasn't covering enough. And, you know, it was, it was a warm day and, you know, just grumble, whatever I could grumble about, I was grumbling that day. Um, and I saw his, I saw his hand, in my life in the hospital uh and you know a week or two after i got home still sick and that kind of stuff but but his expression of love for me personally and our old church yeah i i'm not going to complain about i'm not going to grumble about the old church please don't excuse me but, but um you know, we weren't, we weren't walking in miracle signs and wonders at that church, that kind of thing. So 
you know, I, I really hadn't experienced a personal love message from God um, and healing from him and that kind of stuff. And there I was grumbling. I was grumbling pretty hard that day on that Saturday. And I, I, like I said, I just threw the stuff in the sink in the, in the garage and went to church. I had paint all over me, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was just in tears during service. Um, and pastor Fred was at the back door at the end of it. And I, I risked getting paint on him and hugged him. And I said, I, I needed this so bad. That was for me. Um, but as a pastor, you know, teachers such as you guys, pastors, um, uh, cleansing stream leaders, whatever, you're trying to help people and they just won't. They just won't. Um, you know, and it's, it's really frustrating. So, yeah, I can see Moses, Aaron, and it's like, guys, you have seen the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of smoke by day. You saw the, the most powerful army in the world at the time utterly destroyed right in front of you and you're complaining that the water's bitter you know i can i could see the frustration and so yeah ron says i'll take him take him out and bury myself that kind of stuff i get it yeah i can totally understand that yeah yeah it's pretty 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 difficult um to imagine and and then also easy to see on the other end where we ourselves have been grumblers i've been a grumbler uh i mean i won't lie i'm not going to tell you that i stopped permanently um it's one of the things i constantly have to go before the lord and tell him you know what's going on because if i don't do it there it's not going to be pretty and not that i'm going to cuss people out but it's not what he wants it's not what he wants. And so we see in this scripture, in verse 6 of Numbers um, 20, that Moses and Aaron leave the grumblers and go to the tent of meeting. They go before the Lord. They take that pain in their cup. They take that anger, frustration, hurt, sadness, um, questioning concern, um, maybe even regret, um, the weightiness, all those emotive words that you could use to describe maybe what they were carrying or feeling. They take that. They don't answer the people because it would have been easy to do. Mm -hmm. They go to the Lord. So my question for us is, I won't ask that question. I'll wait to ask that question later. Think about that for you and how you deal with stuff when stuff is pretty heavy. Back to Numbers 20, verse 7. God, in speaking to them, gives Moses a solution. God is so amazing that he answers what it is we ask, right? And there are times when he offers us information before we ask it, in this case, he answers, I believe, what Moses has put before him. And he tells, he tells Moses, speak to the rock. This is Leona's paraphrase. In front of the grumblers. Okay. 
The last time in Exodus 17, when there wasn't water, God had instructed Moses to strike the rock. This time, he asked Moses to speak to the rock. And I take it to mean that God was saying, minister to their need by behind the deed. They're grumbling, but why are they grumbling? They're grumbling because they have a need for something that all human beings need. They, we all need water. I don't care how much we like it or we don't like it. We all need, we're 70% water. <laughs> and God was like, okay, let's deal with the need behind what's going on. Go ahead and speak to the rock and it'll bring forth water. I believe God was saying, don't even react to their bad attitude. Just provide what it is they need. But instead, in verse 9, Moses speaks to the grumblers in apparent anger. And he doesn't speak to the rock as God has told him. And that one act of defiance cost Moses to not be able to go into the promised land. I wonder what it would have been like if Moses had brought his emotion to the Lord, just as the Lord brought his emotion to Moses earlier, as we were talking about. What would have happened if Moses had gone to the Lord and said, you know what, I can't take it any longer. I don't know how you can handle them. They're your people. I don't want to deal with these complaining people anymore. They are just too much. What would the Lord have done for Moses if Moses had offered to God all that was in his cup before he went back to do what God had told him? Would he maybe have even really heard what God was saying? Because I think oftentimes when we get into those heavy emotions. I don't care. It, it, it doesn't always have to be anger. It could be sadness. It could be grief. It could be depression. It could be worry, right? When we are in those states and it has us and it's gripped us, we don't really hear all, we don't hear number one, or we don't receive all that the word is giving us. And so so I, I think that one of the things also that this story um, teaches is really about obedience, you know, also. Because um, I think that two issues that we, that we have just as human beings and when we are following Christ, first of all, when we get into tough places, we tend to want to do things on our own we tend to not say, you know what, I need to run to the source. I need to go to God because God has what I need. He has a comfort. Uh, and Leon and I have, have, I have uh, mentored couples for a lot of years. And we see it over and over and over again. And when the tough times come, the tough places come, they jump back into, they'll go every place else. But to but to go before the Lord, to open their, open their word, to sit down before the Lord and allow the Lord to give them what they need to move ahead, okay? 
That's the first thing that we don't do. The second thing we don't do, we're not obedient, right? Again, we go to the Lord, maybe we're obedient, we go to the Lord and we speak to the Lord and we cry before the Lord and, and the Lord's, you know, giving us comfort and says, okay, these are some steps that I believe that you need to take to help you move through the situation you're moving, you need to move through. Then we don't do it. And we suffer the consequence. Moses suffered a very heavy confidence. Consequence. Thank you. (laughs) Consequence for not being obedient to the Lord. And what I realize is consequences are not God's judgment on us. Consequences are the natural effects also of what God has created. Okay? If I go to school and I don't study and I end up being a bum out on the street, that wasn't God's judgment. It's because I didn't study. If I went and I smoked for 50 years and I got lung cancer, that's not God's judgment on me. It was I smoked for 50 years and I got lung cancer and I and I received the consequence of my action. So the other part of what we need to really be able to do when we're talking about emotion and we're talking about being in a place of dealing with what's going on with us is first of all, we need to know where to run. And when we have run and we have been there, we have put those things before the Lord and the Lord speaks to us or brings somebody in our sphere of influence that's very close to us that may speak some words of wisdom or, or something that's very sound that we need to do. And we're like, well, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm just going to figure this out on my own. Okay. It leads us to places that we regret because we haven't been obedient. Yeah. And, and, and basically what we really want you guys to know is that Yes, in relational care ministry, we talk about our feelings. We want people to talk about what they are feeling. We don't want you to gloss over. But we also want you to be able to know that God is greater than what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And everything needs to be filtered, first of all, through his lens. Even our experiences, even when we're in experiences or in relationships, and it's not always with your spouse. It's not always with your kids. It can be with your boss Mm -hmm. where you're going through it. You're you're sitting there at your cubicle going, oh, gosh, again? Really? And you're on the brink of going into your boss's office and knocking on the door and telling your boss everything that you think or how you see things or the way you believe it should go. And there are many times when I'm tempted to do that. But God, have I first taken that, whatever it is I'm feeling, to God? And am I willing to hear what it is he's saying I need to do? And then am I willing to be humble? Because I'll tell you the truth, that's often where I get caught, is in that test of, will you be humble in the moment? 
Joe and Liana, I really appreciate what you're what you're talking about. And um, before I forget, just another side note: we do that often with ourselves as well. Yeah. I mean, how many times have I done something again? You know, and I get really frustrated and and that bad message. Um, so it could be interpersonally mm -hmm. as well as intrapersonally, mm -hmm. if I'm using those terms right. Um, but one of the things that's really striking me when you were teaching, I had to go back and reread that verse. Mm -hmm. And I think of how many times I think I know what the Lord said, but I acted too quickly on it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than taking the time to truly understand. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking how often I think I understand what Ron said, but I really don't because I don't take that time to really assess what it is mm -hmm. you know when you brought out that moses didn't speak to the rock that's what god asked him to do he went into action and i think from moses's perspective he was probably doing what god asked him to do because i don't think i don't think moses had a rebellious heart mm -hmm. you know to stand from uh, but I don't think he listened carefully. He allowed his emotions, emotions to distort yeah. what he heard. Yeah. And I think that for me, what you've been teaching is, is a big takeaway. You know, we have to be sure and it has to line up with the word that what we're hearing is truly accurate. Yeah. And I think that, uh, thanks, Jean, for sharing. I think that one of the things that when I hear that, 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 uh, that story of Moses, I can almost, put, I can put myself, I can almost put myself in that place of Moses to having to deal with these people over and over and over and over again, right? And to getting to that place of, like you're saying, Gene, maybe he didn't really hear, but getting to that place of, getting there and already the emotional cup for Moses is like, you know, I mean, we're talking about there's like this much space left in the cup, right? And he gets before these people again. And who knows if somebody, he's up there and he really wants to do what God is saying, but maybe one grumbler said one more thing that Moses just couldn't take. And in that anger, he turned around and he struck that rock, right? So to, to, to me, again, one of the things also that's important is to learn how to control our emotions to a certain extent. Because how many of us have been in the same place? Our emotional cup, we got like that much left. And we walk into the house and somebody says something that all of a sudden Mount Vesuvius goes off. And the person's looking at you like, I cannot believe that this person is yelling and screaming and going just like a meltdown. What is going on with this person? Right? And we've gotten, first of all, we haven't learned to empty the cup. But second of all, we haven't done enough work in ourselves to know my cup is like that because even if we even if we didn't know how to empty the emotional cup because leona and i earlier in our marriage got to this point of when i knew 
that I was in a place that I wasn't able to talk, I had to get enough control over my emotions to say, you know what, Lee, I'm in a place right now that I, discussion right now is not gonna work. So I'm gonna go back in my car, I'm gonna go in my room, I'm gonna go wherever I need to go to sit before the Lord, breathe, bring it down, figure out why I'm at, why I'm at, to a point where we can get back together and then I can discuss with her and say, you know, I've had it with work, I've had it with this employee or whatever it is, right? We have to, we have to be able to gain an, an enough emotional control to keep Mount Vesuvius from going off. Because what happens is, especially when it's with a spouse, it could be with a mother or brother, family member, once that limbic system goes off, right? You start saying things that you regret. You start putting things out there, the hurt, the pain, and the problem is, now you've created so much more damage than you ever wanted to do. And there's no way to walk that back, right? Five minutes or two seconds of you spewing out words of death can cause you months, maybe years of trying to regain that place back. Is it worth it? Is, yeah, is it, is worth, it worth it? Is it really worth it for me to say everything that I feel that is on my heart? Because the, the Bible makes that clear that in, uh, and Ron has reminded us of this scripture um, in recent times, Proverbs 29, 11, a fool expresses all his emotion, but a wise person controls him. And sometimes it's not even about trying to control what you're feeling yourself, but literally about doing what Aaron and Moses started out to do, which is in the presence of the noise, go and be with the Lord. And for the partner, friend, mate, you know, coworker that literally cannot stand it because you need to take some time. It's actually an opportunity for that person as well to take some time to be with the Lord. The Lord is the only one who can handle all that yuck in our container. I don't care how real we want to be with each other. You really don't want me to be that real with you. Let me tell you the truth. Because you're not going to like me. You're not going to respect me. You're not going to find any way to honor me if I allow all of that to come out in your direction. I have to, I have a responsibility to first go before the Lord because mm -hmm. it's not, it's irresponsible of me to do that to any of you. And it's irresponsible of me to do that to him. And I would even say that a lot of the stuff that spew out of our mouths when Mount Vesuvius goes off, it really doesn't have a lot to do with our heart. You know, when we go limbic, we start just throwing stuff out there that's just, and then later on, you figure, you know, that's not, that's not my heart. Because many times when you think about the stuff that comes out when you blow up, Probably 70% of the stuff that you said was like, you know what? I really didn't mean that because that's not really what I felt, but you didn't take enough time to, 
to back up to process, it just came out. And there's something that happens when Vesuvius goes and your mouth starts going. When those two things happen, right? I mean, we get historical. We start, you know, we start lumping stuff with, you know, you're just like my father and blah, blah. And, and all this stuff starts coming in from places where it's not even your heart anymore. The, again, this is emotional stuff that we have not processed. We have not taken before the Lord. We haven't done the work, right, to know what's going on in us. And when we explode, all these things just come out and they cause, they cause, it's like a nuclear explosion, really, right? It's like a nuclear explosion. Everything in the center of that explosion gets obliterated, right? 50 miles out, you got radioactivity that lasts for 100 years. So think about when you blow up. First of all, you destroy somebody in a moment and your words, play out like radioactivity. They go on and on and on and on, and you do all kinds of things to try to make amends. But that hurt. Those people, that person remembers that hurt. And to try to fix that wound. So in some cases, we don't speak, but we act like Moses did. Moses took action as Gene pointed out. Um, and the action is not helpful and it's not valuable and it doesn't help any relationship. So I think the main thing that we wanted to be able to get across to everyone is that God is able. God knows when we say we want to give you practical tips, I always struggle because I confess to you, my help in getting to a place of healing in our relationship was not through a counselor. My primary steps in getting to healing in, in, in a place where I can relate to somebody who is a very close friend for years was not through another individual. It was literally me going on my knees before the Lord and pouring out all, you know, and he did, and I did, and I think Sue shared with us last week that she, you know, when she's dealing with emotions, she has to go and tell the Lord all that happened. And, and it's in doing that and in being transparent before the Lord and then letting the Lord provide comfort, even though I may not walk away from that time of prayer with a, step one, step two, step three, just knowing that I have a God who is able to hear my heart is sufficient. So that when I put myself back, or when I happen to be back in the situation of difficulty, then my ears, the ears of my heart are open to hear him literally in the moment. I've shared with you guys in class that I've been in situations literally before a boss where the Lord told me, bite your tongue. Don't say, don't say anything. Because once you start, you know what we want to take it back. And I stood there and I didn't nod. I just looked and I literally bit my tongue. Part of the reason 
was, I believe, is because to this day, this is an employer that we both worked for at the time and I was being fired and he was still working there. What would have happened to him if I had opened up my mouth? And we had kids and a mortgage. And the interesting thing about that is that same employer, and I don't know if you remember that, uh, uh, our, that same employer a year later invited us to dinner and asked us to share our faith uh, with, with them. But imagine what would have happened if Leona went off like Mount Vesuvius. I don't think that would have happened. Um, just to piggyback on what Leona's saying is that um, in our time, a lot of you know our testimony, some of you don't, um, but um, it wasn't all peaches and cream for a long time. And we had to, each of us had to walk on an individual journey with the Lord. Because we believe in, we believe in marriage mentoring and helping couples. But one of the things that we've realized is I came into this marriage with my junk. The only person that's going to be able to work on that junk is me and the Lord. And I had to go on my own personal journey. And I had to learn obedience because the reason why that's so important is there would be some times when Leona and I wouldn't speak to each other for weeks. And I would go before the Lord and I'd be like, Lord, you don't know what this woman's doing and blah, blah, blah. And she's this and that. And the Lord would say, you need to go humble yourself and you need to sit down and you need to talk. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Oh, it wasn't all about that. It was about, I gave my life to Christ. Am I going to be obedient to what he said? When the times I was obedient, God did miracles. Times that I wasn't obedient, I suffered the consequence. That's just the way, that's just the way it is. And that's why we, when we talk to couples, the most important thing in your relationship is your relationship with Christ. Everything flows from that. Every single thing flows from that. And if you don't work from that example, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. That's what makes it, that's what makes one able to say after your mate, friend, partner, coworker has spewed, that's what makes one able to say, you know what, I hear pain mm -hmm. in you. Like you just take all the words that they said about you and you put them on the other side or you put them in the garbage can mentally and you go and you look past the words and you begin to minister to the person. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. I apologize for the King James. You guys who know me know I really like the King James Version. But that's Hebrews 5.8. You can read it in your favorite version of the bible and it will say the same thing christ learned obedience by what he suffered now did he really need to learn obedience i don't know take that up with the lord but i know we 
are being made into the, we're being conformed into the image of Christ. And if that's the case, we need to learn obedience. And that's actually a really good word for this time. It really is. He learned obedience by what he, by what he suffered. So what things are going on in our life right now that we need to learn obedience? Joe and Leona, I really appreciate, um, again, you know, your whole teaching. You guys are awesome and you know you rock and I love you tremendously. Um, to put emphasis on what you're saying, to take our cause before the Lord and bring it to obedience in that practical step means not to sit there and complain about X, Y, or Z continuously before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, fix them. Mm -hmm. But it means, Lord, yeah, you, this person did this, this person did that, that person did that. This is this situation. Lord, help me to see through it the way that you see through it. Because too often in my life, I went before the Lord and I poured out my complaint and I gave God $10 and I expected a $50 value put back into my life to bless me. Um, and he doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. Um, he wants us, like Joe, you said at the beginning, to be reflective on who we are in him and what our responsibility is in the circumstance in the situation and if all we're doing is going and complaining to god and not getting to the point where we recognize god's promises through it uh we're wasting our time you're so right very well said on that note i want to i know i'm going over time but if you can stay on the call that would be great and i'm not going to keep you guys too long but I want to show you something that I use to go before the Lord. So bear with me while I pull it up, okay? I have to find that mouse again, and the mouse often runs away from me. <laughs> I'm still looking for the mouse. Aha. Get a mouse trap. I, I know, huh? Can you all see this thing that says healing hearts? Okay, it's a little too big. So this is a tool from um, an organization called um, Journey Groups. And this is part of their lesson. And I abbreviated it just to show you. If you wanna know more about it, it's actually from a book called Joyful Journey by Jim Wilder, who is a psychologist, John and Sung Shim Lucknow, which are a couple, and Anna Kang, okay? Um, it's designed to help you deepen your attachment and connection to the Lord. And so it looks like this. It begins with appreciation, and really the basis behind it is from Exodus chapter three. It describes an exchange. It's a type of prayer, if you will, entering into prayer using journaling. So the first thing you would do is you would 
write to the Lord, dear God, I am thankful for. And then you would add anything, an event, um, uh, something your pet does regularly or a special memory, something that oftentimes when you're in a hard place, if you were to remember it, you would just start smiling. You would immediately also um, either be able to connect to that person or that experience or a time when you've experienced the Lord. And then you would sit and you would respond in the spirit, so to speak. Write what you would think that your loving father in heaven, not your earthly father, but your heavenly father would respond. How would he respond to this gratitude? So he would respond, my dear child. Now, when I do this, I literally um, take this format and I write in block for myself and um, I will write down what I believe the Lord is saying to me in italics. And I even change the font color, but I just am tuned into the Lord and trying to write, what would God say in response? Um, and then what would the Lord say he sees in you that maybe you're not even necessarily, it's not necessarily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not necessarily obvious to you mm -hmm. where he would say, I can see you. So, for example, um, I was dealing with something really difficult the other day, and I wrote the I can see you and the I can hear you together. And I could, I could sense the Lord was saying, I can see you almost holding your breath because you are so worried about your children. I can see the tension in your shoulders that you're carrying. I can hear you deep inside wondering what it's going to take for there to be a change in their situation. Does that make sense? Give me a thumbs up if it kind of resonates with you. Okay. Um, and then you're writing these things just to point out something before I move on. Um, from a perspective of his warmth, from a perspective of his love, from a perspective of who God is, all of his character. Now, I have done these and I have, when I have done this particular part, I understand how big this is for you or I understand how you feel. I have done these where the Lord has not just given me comfort, right? I understand how big this is for you. I want you to know that I have this. I have my hands on the situation, but I have also been corrected by the Lord. I want you to know that he knows how to correct us. He has never once said, I understand how big this is for you, but girl, you better get your act together. That's not how... He talks to me and I haven't seen him do that in the word, but I have seen him give correction. Mm -hmm. And I have heard the Lord say, I understand how big this is for you. And I understand that you're having difficulty allowing me to take this off of your hands, but I need you to let go. That's corrective. Mm -hmm. I need you to let it go mm -hmm. because you are gripping onto this. And by you gripping this, 
and you constantly injecting yourself, it makes it difficult for me to do what I need to do about the situation, about the persons involved. Does that make sense to you guys? So I'm not saying that he's always gonna offer you peaches and cream or give you uh, chocolate for your wound. Um, he, there could be some correction that's there. But the tone is going to be in the tone of a God who loves you and loves you enough to bring correction if correction is warranted. Sometimes it's just comfort that you need, and that's what he gives you. He will reassure you, I am glad to be with you, and will tell you how he sees your weakness or how he sees your issue. And he will let you know that he can do something with you and for you about the situation. He may give you specific steps, like we were talking about Moses. If he had given all that was on his heart, is it possible that he would have been able to hear God's comfort and then be able to really hear and then do what God was asking him to do? You are to write in this part about what God might be saying as to how he will be with you and assist you. And you don't evaluate this as you're doing it. You evaluate this afterwards. The way we all know that God is the one speaking in any conversation we have, whether we're praying, we're doing a writing a journal, we're doing a prayer exercise, is we know God's voice by how we see God in the word. Mm -hmm. And it can't be anything outside of how he addresses us through the word. Uh, if, he, if you review what you've written and it comes out with something crazy like, I don't know, I can't even, I don't even wanna say what I'm thinking um, that could be totally crazy. Um, like, for example, if I'm mad at Joe and I wrote an, uh, an Emmanuel journal about me being upset with Joe, and I read in here, you know, um, I understand how big this feels for you. I value, I'm glad to be with you. Um, what I want to do about this through you is I want you to go make a pot of Nigerian stew and make it so spicy Joe can't eat it. I would know that that's not the Lord. Or he would say, I want you to just go in there and I want you to tell them off. I want you to tell them off and I want you to really let them have it. I would know that that's not the Lord. And at that point, I'd be like, well, God, I, mm, that wasn't you. Let me start all over again. The other way that we know is to share our Emmanuel journal with another person. Preferably somebody who is... Um, more mature than we are in the Lord, somebody that we know hears God, and somebody that with whom we can be vulnerable, or share it with your mate, because your mate will know if it's you or if it's the Lord, because your mate knows you. So that's just a, a tool that we use uh, sometimes in our sharing and taking our what's in our cup to the Lord so that we can get ministered to. And I hope that has um, been an encouragement. All right. Any questions? Un raise your hand and unmute. Yeah. Is that Sue? Did you raise your hand, Sue? No? Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
Paul and Kathy. Um, yeah, just kind of going back to um, when you're talking about Vesuvius, um, I've, I've rarely ever been the Vesuvius. I've been more the, the people in Herculaneum running and hiding, right, mm -hmm. when the volcano's going off. That's, that's been my tendency through my life. Mm -hmm. Learned from when I was a very little kid. Um, um, but Leona, you were talking about, um, you know, saying stuff in that moment when Vesuvius is going, you're saying stuff that you probably don't mean and stuff. And it, the, the picture that came to my head immediately when I was probably, I don't know, five or six and my brother is a year older than me. Um, we were playmates very much. Um, but when he was done playing, he didn't know how to say, uh, I'm, I'm done playing. I'm going to go be my, by myself. Um, he would get violent and he would start picking and picking and picking and picking and picking. And it, I remember one time as a very young kid, like I say, five or six, my limit for picking is quite a ways out there, but he got me there and I just exploded the words that, you know, what's a five or six year old going to know and use, but the words that were coming out of my mouth and we were probably in the backyard, maybe the front yard. And I'm looking for sticks and dirt clods and rocks to hurl at him, that kind of stuff. And I didn't even know what I was doing. The tears are pouring out of my eyes. I can hardly see, but I can remember just grabbing whatever I could to throw at him. If I tried doing hand to hand, it was going to end badly. Um, Cause he was bigger, stronger, meaner, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was grabbing everything I could find to hurl at him. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very much that picture that you're describing, um, that yeah, as, as adults, you know, I don't get physical, but yeah, easily we could start just grabbing something that happened 20 years ago and hurling it at our spouse. Um, something that's, that's already under the blood. We've talked about it. It's over. It doesn't happen anymore, but we can go back there and start hurling it. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous situation. Being able to pause for a second and say, you know what, Vesuvius is about to come off and I need to excuse myself from the situation um, and go you know, take a cold shower and cool off, quench the flames a little bit, whatever it takes, get with the Lord, and then be able to come back and talk like mature Christian adults that love each other um, so much more valuable. Yeah. Um, if I can just say something before Jean says something, um, the other thing too with the other spouse, because here's the other thing that happens. If the one says, you know what, I need a timeout, and the other one will not allow the other one to be able to get control, right? Like, no, we're going to talk about it now, and there's no need for and then you're trying to walk away and the other one's like, no, get back here. We're going to finish this now, right? Okay. You're actually inviting Metuvius to like utterly destroy you. So I'm just saying word of, word of caution. If you get that from the other one, then as Leona says, you go back, you pray. Pray for that one. And for yourself. And for yourself, right? But don't get pulled into it. Don't let the enemy pull you into it and have Vesuvius hit you 
when the Lord's actually trying to save you from Vesuvius. Anyway, Jane. Yeah, yeah it, Paul, I appreciate what you said. It, it, it actually reminded me that an implosion oftentimes is as damaging as an explosion. The implosion is more localized. There's less collateral damage. But especially in close, intimate relationships with um, our spouse, our parents, our children, uh, when we implode, we can cause as much damage to those individuals as when we explode. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jean. I think the other thing that you brought out, Paul, is that um, goes back to two lessons ago. We will fight, flight, or freeze. So some of us explode, some of us just implode and crawl and just, and some of us literally run away. But we all have self-talk that's going on in the middle of all that. We all, we each, depending on how we respond to um, whatever's going on, the pressure that we're under, we still each have things, emotions and feelings and thoughts to bring before the Lord. So because we don't emote um so that others see doesn't mean that we don't have or bear the same responsibility i think in part for me when i look at the word and and again i don't know i i you know well i'll know when i know when i cross over right and i can pull up a chair beside moses and say hey what was going i mean you know I think Moses, remember what he said to the Lord, don't pick me, I don't know how to talk. I think he was one who had a lot going on in here and a lot going on in here and he wasn't necessarily the one to put it out there verbally. He wasn't the one who was going to pick the verbal fight, right? But again, he, he's a human being who is, Loving God as best as he knows how. With a lot of insecurity. With, with a lot of insecurity. With a lot of insecurity. When like you, when you think about each it. of us have. He had the same responsibility to go before the Lord as Miriam did, his sister, who was openly grumbling about, look at Moses. You know, who does he think he is? You know, just because God talks to him, God talks to me too. Okay, she was more and he was not, right? And, and thank God for him. Thank God for his example, because he was an intercessor that he, who's taught us, many of us, how to go before God on behalf of others. But he still had responsibility to carry what was in his cup before the Lord. So when, when we have that tendency to implode, a lot of times we also have a tendency to be the one that falls into depression. And often we're the last one to know we've been depressed. We are the last ones to know. Everybody else is looking at us going, there's something I can't quite put my finger on it. And we may recognize that our friend, our brother, our sister is actually carrying around a subdued version of who God created them to be. And so I would just really encourage us to become active in our relationship with um i, I don't i yeah. i don't have a bible a, a physical paper bible in this particular room in the house and i don't want to pick up my phone and show it to you as my bible because my phone is not my bible 
Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Ron and Jean. <laughs> Hallelujah. <There> you go. <laughs> so we, yes, and Sue, uh, Oliver, yes, we need to get in relationship with the God of the word. Mm. And so a lot of times in being in relationship with him and, and through the word, he's going to show us ourselves. You know, one of the things uh, about about that is, now I love Charlton Heston. I think Charlton Heston is a great actor. <laughs> and I love just about everything Charlton Heston does. Did. Did. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Moses was Charlton Heston. Because <laughs> Charlton Heston was Mr. Confident in everything. But, you know, when you read the word, Mo I, Moses had some insecurities. He had some insecurities, but you know, most of the characters, what I love about the Bible, most of the characters are not perfect. None of them were perfect. They all had failures. They all had shortcomings. They all had wounds. They all had trauma, just like us. And God showed himself powerful in that. Anything else you wanna? No, I think it's time for us to yeah. let people go. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Martha? Did you no. raise your, oh, Kathy, no, Kathy. sorry. Kathy, yes. <laughs> Kathy's, Kathy's just above you, Martha, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say the thing that spoke to me the most is, was in Numbers 20 where Moses and Aaron did go to the Lord at first. It says that they fell on their knees before the Lord. But what you pointed out is, they, is Moses didn't bring his emotional cup to the Lord. He, the Lord gave him an answer, but... His emotional cup was very full, and he didn't take the time to give that to the Lord. And so then he, he ended up disobeying. And that just spoke to me because many times I've gone to the Lord, but I didn't recognize my emotional cup was so full. And, and I didn't give it to him, so I still wasn't really able to respond mm -hmm. the way he wanted me to because I was holding on to the emotional cup instead of giving that to him. Wow, thank you, Kathy, for yeah. sharing that. That's powerful insight. Well, we, we thank you guys for joining us. Um, I'd like to leave you with um, this and then we'll pray out. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, um, 9, and God is speaking to Paul here when Paul talks about um, being tormented and God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so in this time, and what's so beautiful about that is we need to go to the Lord, first of all, because the power in his grace is available for us if we go to the Lord. The second thing is God promises he says, my power is made perfect in that weakness. So I don't have to be all that. All I have to do is, number one, know where I have to go to the source of the power. And number two, to be is Paul, right? Paul has some issues. He was being tormented. He didn't walk around and say, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm going to deal with this myself. He did the thing that all of us need to do. He ran straight to the Lord and said, Lord, I've got some stuff here that I need you to help me with. God was like, perfect, perfect, because my grace is sufficient for you and all the power that you need to deal with whatever is going on, 
I have it because my power is made perfect in weakness. So we love you guys. We appreciate you showing up. We pray that you would have a blessed rest of the day and week. Um, and then we will see you next Sunday for those of you who want to join us. And are you ready right now? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for today, um, Resurrection Sunday, reminding us that you were born so that you might die mm. in order to win us to yourself. Thank you for all that you've suffered on our behalf. Thank you for the price that you alone could pay for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one of our family members that you are working on. Lord God, to draw mm, them yes, to Lord. you. Thank, Thank you, Lord God, for every individual you have used us to minister salvation to. Mm. And Father, thank you for all the future souls, God, that you will use us to minister to. Either, Lord God, to have that first encounter with you, to grow in their understanding of you and the word. Father, for a bit of deliverance, Lord God, to provide comfort, Lord God. Whatever way, shape, or form, Lord God, you would use us, God. We thank you in advance. We give you all the glory, all the honor. We place you at the head of our week this yes, week. And we pray, God, health and safety for each and every one here and the comfort of the Lord for them as they extend ministering grace to others who may be suffering in this year, in this season. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. We love you all. Love Thank you, you for joining us. We Bye. love you. We love you. Love you. All right. Take care. <laughs> yeah.